Good morning, Grace Church Online, Facebook Live. So glad that you guys are with us this morning. First, I want to just apologize for technical difficulties. That's the beauty of a pandemic of trying to do church via technology. So we do apologize. But if you're here with us, we're so grateful that you're with us this morning um, to worship with us at Grace Church. I also want to mention that this will be recorded and be played later. So if people can't see it live, then um, let them know that they can come back to the church website at gracechurch.org um, and they can um, check the service out there uh, later on today. So I want to share with you uh, a scripture this morning from, from the book of Psalm. And uh, I just want to share a couple verses. First verse is uh, Psalms 30, verse 1. says, I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord. You, his faithful people, praise his holy name. And this is the, this is the key verse for this morning. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes with the morning. So this morning, even amidst all the stuff that's going on, I pray that today in your home or wherever you are listening to this, that you can rejoice and that you can find joy in the Lord today. So take the time to, to chat, say hello to us on, on um, Facebook. You know, give us any questions you have. You can text us. Uh, if you need to, text WOW or text PRAY. That number is 865-205-9996. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any prayer requests, please put those in the Facebook chat. We'd love to get to those too. At this point, in this time, I'm going to send it to, uh, to McNally's, and they're gonna, they have our call to worship for us this morning. Who has called us to worship today. In the book of Hebrews, it says we are to encourage one another every day, as long as, as it is called today, so that none of us may be hardened by sin. And Paul tells us the way to do this is by being transformed by allowing God to change the way we think. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans 12, 2. One of the ways to this transformation is by living a life of praise, recalling God's grace and mercy, as David does in Psalm 145, which says in part, I will praise you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord, the Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your sins shall bless you. Let, Let us worship the Lord every day. Hey, good morning, Grace. Thank you for joining us this morning. And uh, from wherever you are, I just encourage you to engage your heart and, and take whatever posture of worship is comfortable for you, if that's standing in your room or uh, sitting or even lying down on the ground. Um, but just really want you to, uh, to offer your heart and engage with us this morning. Shakes the whole earth 
to take this opportunity to invite all of the kids in your house to the front. Uh, we want to see those kids and while those kids or even if you're a kid at heart, whatever kind of kid you have in your house, if they want to watch this part of the service that would be so awesome. As they make their way I am going to introduce to you our youngest, most loveliest new addition to our Grace Church family. Her name is Charlie May Wright. She was born on Thursday. Um, her parents are Chris and Ashley. They, she has three big brothers, Jackson, Grady, and Abel. So welcome, Charlie, to our family. We love you already so, so much. Um, okay, I'm hoping all the kids are watching now. And I'm going to turn it over to one of the most fabulous five-year-old kindergarten ministry leaders, 
that we have ever had. And her name is Hyatt Christenberry. So Hyatt is going to take it away for us. Hey kiddos, it's Miss Hyatt, and I've missed seeing you all so much. I wanted to talk to you today because maybe you're a little bit like me and you were looking forward to celebrating how hard you worked this school year, and you're disappointed that you can't do that. I was super excited because I was going to celebrate being done with school after 20 years, and that's a long time. Even though I was sad about missing out on celebrating, I learned something that I wanted to share with you all. I learned that a lot of times in our lives we work really hard and we study really hard all because we want people to know how hard we've worked. Of course, who doesn't love to come running home with their special art project or their good grade that they want their parents to hang on the refrigerator? And there is nothing wrong with working hard and being proud of yourself when you've done a good job. But sometimes we're so focused on people seeing what we've done, we forget that the only person we should really be worried about is God and what he calls us to do with our lives. And lucky for us, we don't have to guess, because he tells us that his greatest commandment is to love him and to love people. And no matter where you are, and no matter who sees you, you can do both of those things. And if you listen closely, God will give you opportunities to do both of those things, which is so comforting, because life changes all the time, but we worship a God who never changes, and we can praise him for that. Thank you, Hyatt Christenberry. We love you, girl, and congratulations on all that you have done. You are going to do great, big, grand, beautiful things for the Lord. You already are. Um, now is the time in the service where we take a minute and we consider what we can offer. All of us have, um, we have passions, we have talents, we have gifts. We have things that we love to do. Um, we have resources, each of us, um, that we can contribute to the kingdom of God. You can do big things with what you have. So now is the time during the service when you take a minute and you consider, what do I have to offer to the church, the capital C church? What can I do this week that can make an impact um, with my neighbors, with my city, with my family, with my coworkers? Um, so as you consider those things, um, we are going to have a special video dedicated to our wonderful, beautiful graduates of this May 2020. Man, what a great a video, and uh, congratulations to all of our entire class of 2020. Man, we got some doctors, we got some high school seniors, we got folks who graduated high school in three years, people who graduated, I think Hyatt graduated college in a year, no, I think a couple of years. We want to say on behalf of the Grace community, congratulations. We are praying for you, we're happy with you, we're celebrating with you, um, and we know God has a tremendous future for you. We pray God's blessing over you. Wow.
what the morning's been. Uh, if I could tell you everything that's happened behind the scenes, uh, but that's not why we're here. Uh, we're here to uh, try to make meaning of of what's going on with this with this crisis. Uh, we're in the middle of a sermon series called "Making Meaning," and you know, sometimes in our lives, we always want to know, God, what is happening? Uh, what are you doing? Uh, one truth that we have actually been leaning on is this: God is always at work. God's always at work. And our, our response is to discern, what is God doing? God, what are you doing? Um, even with all our te- technical problems here this morning, we've been asking ourselves, God, you are doing something. May we pay attention to what you are doing. And I believe God is at work trying to do something in the church, in the world, and in us, and in me individually. There's a truth that says this, personal renewal leads to corporate change. It starts with you and me. And that's where I want to just hang out a little bit here today. Talking about you and me as a person. Who we are as people. What sort of wakes us up in the morning? What wakes us up in the middle of the night? Many things do, right? But I want to give you a vision that God has for you. A vision that's, that's probably bigger than what you could ever imagine. A picture of what I believe what God is doing for you and me that is going to revive your life, your family, your, your community, your workplace. It's going to revive our city, our state, and our world. And we're going to start by reading a passage of Scripture from the book of Philippians, the, the third chapter. We're going to start in verse 17 and, and just read these four verses, 17 through through 21. I'm really going to focus on verse 17 today. Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 17. The Apostle Paul is writing to this church in Philippi. It's a great church, a church that has just meant so much to him. But there's, there's some there who are, well, let's have Paul explain it to us. Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 17. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as often I told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that we may be like his glorious body. My friends, my friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I truly believe that over the last several months, and I, I think this is a pretty pretty lame observation, but I think all of our lives have been disruptive. Disrupted in some form and capacity, some in a little bit degree, some in a major degree, but all of our lives and our world is being turned upside down. It's being disrupted. And so, I've been asking God some big questions. God, if you are always at work, then what are you doing? How are you using this worldly disruption? Must be something going on. This must be something that 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 you are at work, and I want to see what are you at work doing in this disruption. You know, a crisis does three things. A crisis reveals. A crisis refines, and a crisis renews. You know, a crisis reveals where there are fault lines and cracks, and it also reveals where things are strong. 
this crisis is doing that to us as a world, as a nation, as a church, and as a people. Where are we strong? What's holding up during this crisis? And then what is sort of shattering or teetering a little bit? And then so then where then do we need to actually refine, get stronger to have a renewed passion and desire? This crisis has been doing that for me as a person more than just as a pastor. It's been, it's revealed some areas of my life where I am strong and it's revealed some areas of my life where, you know what? I was paying too much attention to work. Or I was caught up in something else where I really haven't done a great job. And it's given me a sense of, of, of renewal, of refining so I can be renewed. To be honest with you, I, I've been caught up in, in, in leading a church, of listening to people, of trying to satisfy people's desires, and I haven't done really a, a great job at home of being just a human at home for my wife and my son and, and my neighbors. God has just really pointed it out to me. I have a renewed passion for that now. What about you? What's God? What's God doing in you? Have you had the time just to stop and ask those questions? What's he revealing? What do you need to refine? What do you need to renew? I think that's, those are questions I've been asking us as a Christian community. God, what are you wanting, to, what are you revealing to us? What do we need to refine? What are you calling us to renew? And I think I think Paul is on to something here. Well, he's always on to something, right? But I think there is something here that is very important that sometimes we forget. I, I would say that what Paul mentions here in verse 17 is, I would say it's actually critical. If we want to take the faith from one generation to another, if we want the faith to, to expand, and I, I think what Paul is saying here is, is something that we need to pay attention to. In verse 17, Paul says, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, just as you have us as a model, and keep your eyes on those who live as we do. An example. Paul says, Join in, in following my example. Another translation says, Paul says, Join in imitating me. Paul uses this language, example, modeling, pattern, uh, imitating me. He says it again uh, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. He says this, he says, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. As I am following Christ, I want you to imitate me. I want you to imitate me as I'm following Christ. Now, some people say, wow, Paul was being such an egomaniac. He's trying to put himself above Christ. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, my mission in life, my passion, my desires, is that I'm following Christ. I want to follow after Christ. And so that is what wakes me up at night. That's what wakes me up in the morning. I want to follow Christ. And so as I'm following Christ, then then I want you to follow me because join me in following Christ. He says it later in Philippians chapter 4. In verse 9, he says, Whatever you have learned, this is two people that he loves. Whatever you have learned, whatever you have received, whatever you have heard, 
whatever you have seen in me, Paul says, put it into practice. He's saying that my life is on display. That's one thing I've realized through this crisis. Our lives are on display. Our lives are on display. We, we can't hide. We can't hide from, from ourselves. We, we, we can't hide from our, our neighbors. We, we, even though we try, we, we can't hide from, from those loved ones. We can't hide. Our lives are on display. And Paul says, as your life is on display, I want it to be an example. I want it to be an invitation. I want it to be, my life to be a picture of mimicking Jesus. Mimicking Jesus. The the Greek word that he uses here, for example, it's a very interesting word. Um, We we, we get the the, the noun type or typology. Uh, What the, the word example means, it actually means this, a blow that leaves an imprint. Now, it's not like a punch. It's not like a punch, a, a punch that actually leaves an imprint. But he says, it's a blow that leaves an imprint. And it means like a stamp or a seal. He says, I want to be an example. I want to be a blow that leaves an imprint for Jesus so that when you receive words from me, when you look into my eyes, when you, when you watch how I spend my time, how I, how I spend my money, that, that what I talk about, how I consume my mind, that, that when you look at my life, that I want you to get an imprint of Jesus. That when you rub up against my life, when you intersect my life, that I want you to get a glimpse of Jesus. I want the mercy and the grace and the love and the beauty of of Jesus to interact with you, to be a blow that leaves an imprint. Martin Luther, the the reformer, says this, that we are to be little Christ, little Christ. That that is the ambition. When, When you decide to follow Jesus, that that we are to become like Christ. And so Luther says that we're to become little Christ. Alan Hirsch says that if we want to turn the world upside down for Jesus and Jesus' mission, his plan A was a conspiracy of little Christ. That's right. People who follow Jesus to to have this conspiracy of, of actually mimicking Jesus in their everyday life. That's why we have picked this theme right now of Jesus every day. I, I believe what, what God has done and what God is doing, he's, he's taken the church. And when we think about church, we think about a place and we think about a worship service and we think about a location. And so we sort of come there and we sort of consume what's happening there. But then we go back to our life and we sort of live life how we know it or how we want it to be done. And I think one of the messages that, that, that God has sort of given to me during this time is that, hey, I know we can't gather all in one location right now. I think God is saying, because I want you to work on being an example of Christ. I want you to not be so consumed with getting back together as a big group, we will one day, but I want you now, that if, I, if I'm going to revive the church, restore the church, restore the people, get back on this mission of a conspiracy of little Christ, then I want to take people back to their homes and also begin to live out these words of being an example, of being imitators of Christ. That's a big vision. Danish, the, the, the great Danish theologian philosopher, Soren Kierkegaard. I really like him. He has this, um, this picture of admirers, this description of what it means to be an admirer and a follower, the, the two difference, the, the difference between the two. And this is what he says. He says, unlike the admirer who stands simply 
aloof. I remember when I was in the Met and I just sat there and just, I just sat on a bench and I just looked at the artwork. I was an admirer of the colors and, 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 and the strokes and the beauty and this imagination of, and I just wonder how could they get from their mind to the canvas and I was just admiring the artwork. And so Kierkegaard is, is sort of looking at it and saying, well, we take that mentality and we bring it to the church. He says this, unlike the admirer who stands simply aloof, the follower of Christ strives to be what he admires. And without this essential condition, all attempts to be a Christian, they're fruitless. It's fruitless. It's a waste of time. What Kierkegaard said is that some of us are just admirers, that, that we stand, sort of, we see Jesus, and, and, he, and, he, and he's over there, and we're just, we just sort of are aloof. And now we sort of, but he says, no, to be an example, to, to be a pattern, to be a blow that leaves an imprint for Christ, to, to, to be an imitator, to, to mimic the way of Jesus, what Kierkegaard is saying is that, is that when you come to Jesus, Jesus is asking you to follow him, to be a, not just an admirer, admirer, or as Carl Adelman says, to be a fan, no, to be a follower of Jesus. Actually, actually become what we desire, what we admire. And without that, anything the church does, anything that's Christian, it's fruitless. It's fruitless. You know, there's, there's a difference in thinking about it and doing it. And it, you think about the cost ratio with that. I mean, there's a whole lot easier to, to think about Jesus. It's less costly. It's more costly to follow Jesus. To follow Him. To be like Him. Dallas Willard, in the same vein, says this. He says, churches are filled with undiscipled disciples. As a result of that, most people have yet, because most people have yet decided to follow Christ. The move from being a fan and admirer to a follower. That we've come just to consume. I told you this several weeks ago. You don't need me. You don't need me. But sometimes... Sometimes we've, we've built the church up and we've built these big churches and, and have these great auditoriums and people come and, and we have this crowd and that's great. But Jesus is saying at the heart of it is, are you a little Christ? Are you a follower? Are you making decisions to be a follower of me, to be an example are you making decisions with your time and with your with your money and your and your leisure activities? Are, are you making everyday decisions like right now? Are you making decisions to the point that they're leaving a blow? They're, they're being an example. And what Paul says in Church of Philippi, hey, listen, you're following folks who are making decisions, and they're making decisions that are actually becoming enemies of the cross, that that they're that they're actually their God is their stomach, and you're following people who are actually taking you away, and they're making decisions that are taking them away from Christ. No, I want you to make decisions that lead you toward Christ, that lead you more like Christ. See, this is the life of Jesus. It's my life being exchanged for his life. That's what it is. It's all about this embodiment. God could have done anything in the world. He do, can't do anything in the world. He, he could have said, well, 
I'm just going to think about saving people. I'm just going to think about coming to restore all of creation that was lost. No, God didn't just think about it. God came to us in a person. His word became flesh. There is an embodiment. That's the pattern that God gave us. Jesus says, I, Jesus said, therefore, I'm only doing what I see my father is doing. I'm only mimicking what I see my father doing in heaven. And so he sets the pattern for us. Jesus was fully human. He set the pattern of how we are to live out this fully human life. That faith in Jesus is transmitted from person to person, starting with ourselves and those in our apartment, our condos, and our home, and our neighborhood. It's person to person. It's being lived out in the flesh as examples. And that is what brings and brings credibility to the gospel. A lot of people in our world are losing and have lost credibility in Jesus. And probably because of followers of Jesus. Undiscipled disciples that we have failed to fully follow Jesus, that we've liked to admire him one hour a week, but no, he's asked for much more than that. I think that's why he has us in this season. That's why some of us are like, Let, let's, let's hurry back and return, which we are. But you know, some, you know there's something about, about me, it's like, I don't want to return now. Because I don't want to miss what God is doing here. That God is, is revealing and He's refining and God's renewing. And, 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 and to renew our world and to renew our nation, it's for us to have a renewed vision of, of being an example. And I don't care what kind of example you have been up to this point. I, I want you to, to embrace this vision that God wants to imprint, impart imprint himself through you and through me. That's why we should wake up every morning. That is a bold vision. Belief always has to be translated into behavior. If not, it's worthless. Jesus every day. But you know, Sometimes there's a big disconnect. There's a guy named Shane, Shane Claiborne. I, I like him, some, uh, but I, I disagree with him. He, he's a, I sort of see him as a prophet. He, he challenges me on a lot of things, which is good. He, 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 he writes in one of his books, he says this. He said, he asked a question. He had all these folks who were, who were followers of, of Jesus, and he asked them this question. He said, did Jesus Christ spend time with the poor? And he says, 80, 80% said, yes, yes, he did, yes, he did. 20, 20% said, no, he didn't. And that's shocking. That's really shocking. I mean, Jesus was from a very impoverished family, a very impoverished area of Israel. I mean, Jesus, I mean, you have to just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, his biographies, and know that Jesus hung out with the poor. And so for 20% to say, no, he didn't, that's, that's shocking. But then Claiborne followed up with this. He says, do you, do you spend time with the poor? Do you, who claim to be followers of Jesus, are you spending time with the poor? He said only 2%. Only 2% said yes. Wow. 2%. What Claiborne said, there's a great disconnect between following Jesus but also being an example. There's a great disconnect of, of sort of believing in behavior. And this week, uh, I want you just to, just to do a self-assessment. How am I doing? And God, what is one area that, that you want me to close the gap on? What is one area that, that you want to close the gap? What is one area, God, that... I can follow you. I can leave an imprint. 
Your life matters. Your life is important. God wants to speak to the world through your life and through my life. And we have to embrace this concept of being an example, of being an imitator. There are some bad imitations. I've been some bad imitations. I've done some very bad imitations of Jesus throughout my life. But you know what? I want to be a good imitation. Only by His grace we can do that. Only by His grace. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But he says, I'm the way. He is the way of how we're to live life. He is the way of how we work through conflict. He's the way of how we love others. He is the way of how we, the way of truth. He is the way of justice. He is the way of mercy. He is the way of power. He is the way. You know, in the beautiful scene where Jesus is trying to imprint, his last imprint on his disciples. He takes the form of a servant. He washes their feet. Peter says, no, 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 don't, don't wash my feet. Jesus says, unless I wash your feet, I can't wash all of you. And he went around and he washed everyone's feet. Have you ever washed someone's feet? I have. Man, that's humbling. A little nasty. And Jesus washed all their feet. Then he said this, I have set you an example. I did this to set you an example. I did this to give you a pattern. I did this to show you what love is. I gave you this example that you should do as I have done to you. What an example. Fully human, fully God, Jesus, the example of the way, the truth, and the life. Stop striving to be something else, somebody else. Come with Jesus. Come be a follower of Jesus. Don't just be an admirer. Become a follower this week. Become a prayer partner with Jesus. Who do you need to wash the feet? Someone's feet this week? He said as an example, do as I have done to you. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this word. We pray, Lord, that as you have given us this vision of what it means to be an example, oh God, awaken us to that. Lead us, Lord. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's only one way to do it. It's go to the cross. And so please join me in singing this powerful song, Lead Me to the Cross.
not the direction I was going to go, Daniel. So, um, display, well, I, I, I got to backtrack and just go to where I'm at, and then I'm going to get to that. What I got out of Brian's sermon is one thing I thought about was uh, when you mentioned the imprint. And I think that for me, I thought about, okay, what kind of imprint am I putting on people's lives, starting with my own family? But then I immediately went to whose imprint is on my life? Like, who got me to the place that I am today? Like, where I am today, who got me there? What imprints are on my life and my heart? And the reality is, there's a lot of bad imprints that got us to where we're at, and there's a lot of good imprints. The beauty of what I think is that, how do we go and, I guess, put ourselves on display making positive, influential imprints on others. And I, I got to start just by the, the simple three kids in my own house. You know, and it's funny that you mentioned YouTube because I was sitting on the swing yesterday with Grayson, my son, and I said, what do you want to do when you grow up? <laughs> and he said, I want, I want to be a YouTube star. And I was like, man, are you kidding me? But then I said, okay, let's just say that that's not even real, okay, because we don't have time for YouTube. Dream crusher. I know. I said, so, so what, do you, what do you really want to do? And he said, I want to be a pastor. And I said, well, why do you want to be a pastor? He said, because I see you. I see that's what you do. And I thought, there's the beginning of an imprint. That's how my life is being put on display. It's when my kids can see what I'm doing. It's when other people see what we're doing when we're really not trying to show them what we're doing. That's why we're on display. We can show them, everyone, we show you what we do, but what we really do is what you were saying is what happens in our homes and behind our closed doors. Who are we really? What's the display that we're giving there? That's what's going to eventually come out down the road. Yeah, I think a lot of it is that um, we always want to put our best foot forward, right? You know, we always want to, and I think that is, that is what we should do. Um, but I think there's, but as, as Christians at times, we haven't done that. We, we have put, um, we haven't been fully authentic. 
Um, and I think, I think we need to embrace that. I think we need to embrace that. I think for me, um, it's okay. I mean, my son probably gets tired of having all these. Do we have to have another emotional talk? I mean, I probably overdo it. Like, hey, I, I totally messed up there. Um, but I just want to sh show, like, hey, I, I am, I am, uh, I'm trying to follow Christ, but I do it in, in, a, in a broken way. I do it with His grace, but I, I and, uh, but I think being able to admit as a parent or as a husband, you know what, I actually blew it there. I mean, I just want, I just, I think that would be huge for our country right now. If people just said, you know what, we actually, we actually got that wrong. Or, or I don't see that in all the leaders which we, which we lift up. I don't see humility. I don't see authenticity. And I think it starts in, in the home. And I think for me is, is that, you know, you were talking about being a, you know, our whole lives are on display. Um, yeah, I look back. Uh, I wish there were some things I could edit out of that. I can't, and I have to own that. I have to own that. Yeah, I've 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 been wounded. I have wounded others. I uh, have to own all this, and what that does then it just takes me to the cross to realize, wow, Jesus died for me. He he took he died for me, and he wipes me clean and is still wiping me and washing my feet and that knowing the depth of that love then allows for me to go and to show that to others That's you know I, authenticity uh, was a big word that I was thinking of as you were talking um, as you were preaching because um, you know when, in, when Jesus was walking on the earth and he was talking to all the most religious the Pharisees, he called them hypocrites, right? Which, which is, to this day, probably one of the biggest criticisms of church is that it's filled with hypocrites. And that hypocrite word means you're an actor. You're being an actor right now. You're acting one way, being religious, and then behind closed doors or in other parts of your life, you're, you're not living that way. You're two different people. And I think we cannot underestimate the power of being authentic people. We, we have to confess that we're imperfect in the church, that we are screw-ups, that we don't know how to do things correctly, that we're all on this journey together and, and we mess up and we fall. But like that's the salvation of Jesus, right? I can't be perfect. I can't. But Jesus calls me worthy. We have to be authentic people um, in, across the board. We have to strive for that every day. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, how do you guys wrestle with this? Because I think sometimes when you hear the word lead by example, be a leader example, follow my example, some, sometimes you're like, oh, no, that's, that's too much. I, I can't do that. It, it, it actually becomes a burden, right? It, actually be, it can actually become an idol and can, can wreck your soul. Versus being used as like a challenge and sort of calling you up. How have, how have you kept it from being this, this idol? Because there are some like, no, no, I'm not perfect. I got, and we strive for this perfectionism versus trying to say, I can come to Jesus and all my in, imperfections. I mean, how have, how have you wrestled with it not being an idol and, and sort of more of a... I think the... Uh the biggest thing for me is is learning over the years vulnerability and making myself vulnerable to really show who I really am. And you know, sometimes when we hear the word vulnerable, a lot of people want to run back to the closet because vulnerability is, is kind of a scary word. But vulnerability is not something that you would go out and you expose all your stuff. Vulnerability is saying, hey, I want to be authentic. I want to be real. I want to show you the sides of me pursuing Christ and me messing up with Christ. I want to show you who I am to the best of my ability and not really trying to, you know, put a facade on. 
you know, and I think a lot of times I know for me growing up, it was which mask was I was going to pull out of the closet yeah. for a Sunday morning service. And yeah. growing up in the church, it's just what you did. You know, I'm going to put this mask on. I'm happy, but I'm really miserable. I'm going to put this mask on. I'm really depressed, but I got to show that I'm happy. Like there's so many things that we do to mask. And I think if we could just break it down for me personally is step by step humbling myself saying, I don't have it all right. But my pursuit is yeah. real. Yeah. And I, if you really know me, you'll know my heart because my pursuit is real. Now it's messy, but if you pursue with me, I think that's that's where you got to, you know, you got to link arms with people, I think. You know, Daniel, what do you think? I, yeah, when I think about, you know, you said burden. It, it, mm. To put on a, to pick out a mask, <laughs> to try to live the perfect life, especially if you're a pastor, but in every realm of life, if you're trying to be perfect and exude that facade, that is exhausting. Mm-hmm. And we see people, we see pastors burning out of that all over. We see Christians burning out all over, trying to be perfect in front of people because that burden is so heavy. It's so heavy. Um, there is so much freedom and truth right just just being truthful about what's going on in your life being truthful about who you are being truthful about what you struggle with like the truth will set you free it is such a light burden to just live who you are and preach christ crucified you know that's really enough i think yeah i mean i i think um you know, I, I guess I have more questions than answers, uh, uh, which can be an excuse not to really work on this, right? <laughs> so I got, I mean, the question, as you were talking, the question going through my mind is, why, why can't we be authentic? What keeps us from being authentic? At, uh, have we created something some persona, some personality within the Christian world that, that is so far from what Jesus, Jesus had designed here. I mean, like, why? I mean, when Shane Claiborne has a comment, only 2% of people are actually being with the poor, but 80%, I mean, that's, I mean, I mean, there are things that, I, I, so, you know, I've been asking all these questions. I think part of it is, is that I sort of want to live my life and then have Jesus come along. Mm-hmm. Versus saying, no, Jesus, you set the course, and I will get my life with that. Mm-hmm. And I think we've made this thing so complicated, and it's not, not, it's not to be. I mean, it's just follow his example. Um, to love people who have hurt you and continue to hurt you, to, to love them, to forgive someone not just once, but what, 70 times, sorry, seven times seven. Oh, what does that mean? If you can forgive someone 490 times, right, or more, is that right? Seven, yes, 490 times. So, so, I mean, there's this, seeing this is that Jesus is a lifestyle, and, and, and that's why I think that there's something much bigger going on that God is wanting to do in us. He's wanting to imprint something that, that I always say, God's going to get the mission out one, one way or another. God's going God's to get it out. And the church is his plan, and the church is not doing that. Then he's going to do something to it to get it out. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think for me, it just came in my heart like, okay, I got to work on being an example. I got to work on, you know, I used to lead a bunch of teenagers, but okay, how do I father my teenager? How do I become a husband? Um, what does that look like? How do I know that the areas that I haven't done well and and to repent of those and, and to try to set this course. And I, um, and I think you, we got to keep working on this and keep striving. I don't think we should settle. We shouldn't say, well, I'm a, I can't do this. Well, no, that's sort of a wimpy attitude. Mm-hmm. No, no, let's, let's, let's challenge this knowing that I'm not going to get it perfect, but I'm going to keep going, keep striving toward that. Mm-hmm. All right, well... We're gonna, what are we gonna do? We're gonna wrap up 
this service we here. Do a benediction. We're going to pray, we got a um, but then we're going to go to the chat, right? Is that what we're doing? Yeah. We, have, we have a benediction. We have a benediction. Oh, we, oh, we got the brownies. Video. We have a benediction. So I would love to introduce to you Laura and Craig Brownlee, who are fabulous, authentic people and followers of Christ. I'll turn it over to them for our benediction. And I would really love to just pray for us today. Um, Brian asked us to do this, to do this send off, the benediction, a word of encouragement to you. So I would just like to pray over all of you um, and love on you through um, the internet. <laughs> um, please bow your heads, close your eyes. Lord, we come to you today because we love you so much. We are so grateful that you've given us this day, our daily bread, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the word of Brian. We thank you, Lord, for the leadership of Grace Church. We love you, Lord, for putting these amazing leaders in our lives um, to touch us and help us and grow us through our walk with you, Lord. But we know, Lord, that you are the almighty teacher, that you come before us, you walk with us, you go with us wherever we go. Thank you, Lord, for leading us um, today, for um, bringing us all together online. Lord, um, we ask, like, in Philippians 3, it says that we should live through example, a life of Christ. We ask, Lord, to have more of you, Jesus, and less of me. In John 3.30, it says, the Lord must become greater and I must become less. So, Lord, what do you have in store for us today? Lord, what do you have in store for us for this week? Teach us, Lord. Teach us how we can be more like you, God. We love you so much. We thank you so much for all you've given us. Please help us to catch this week um, of how we can be more like you, Jesus. Please open our eyes and our hearts to be more like you. And that when people see us working in our yards or going to the store or, um, Lord, just being with our children or um, the grandparents out there being with their grandchildren, Lord, just let your light shine through us so we can be more like you. Thank you, God, for your light. Thank you, Lord, for your glory. Thank you, Lord, for all you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Grace. Love and peace. All right, everybody, we are going to depart and have a wonderful day. We're going to end this, what's it called? Service. 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 This thread, this strand, this stream <laughs> um, and in five minutes we're going to start a new grace church live um, so that we can discuss so if you have questions about the service if you have questions about the passage we're going to have a nice little chat together so join us back in five minutes right here on facebook live